Good morning, church. Okay, everybody's awake today. I'm glad about that. I'm on my second cup of pumpkin spice coffee, so I am caffeinated and wired for you today. And um, if you're worshiping online, we're especially grateful to have you too. Know that you are just as much a part of this congregation in person as you are from your place of worship uh, geographically, really spread around the states and around the world. So we're grateful for you. And so we're in this uh, message series, this sermon series that uh, started a couple weeks ago called A New Season, A New Season. And this has been the start of a new season here at church. that, that I've assumed the role of the lead pastor here, and so we're, we're at like a turning point in that. But I also recognize that it's a new season in many people's lives, and in so many different ways, right? We have some, some folks that are starting a new school or a new job or just a different place, a season in life. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's actual physical moving to a new location, And so you know this, and I know this, that with every new season, it always brings with it excitement, you know, challenges, of course, uh, wonder, you're looking ahead. And the last couple weeks, we started out first by talking about uh, this idea that that we we don't want to miss the beginning. We don't want to waste the beginning. The beginning is a really important part, and so often we look so far ahead that we miss what's happening right there. Um, And then last week, we talked about this idea of being open. And this is this, uh, this traversing through the story of, of Joshua in the book of Joshua. We talk about being open to, to what God is doing in our circumstances and even to, to unlikely heroes. We talked about Rahab who, and how she steps into the story. Well, this week we're going to talk about what happens after those first initial days. After those first initial days and weeks and moments, something you and I call the middle. The middle. So, um, but before we get there, I want to start off with a little bit differently today. Um, last couple of weeks, we started off with a question that I had everybody talk about. Well, I want to start off with some trivia today. Is everybody up for trivia? Yeah, we have really excitement here in the front row. So I'm expecting some good answers here. So if, okay, he has other comments to make, right? <laughs> but uh, if you're working online, then you can participate too. Go ahead in the chat box if you're on Facebook or in the room, you can share your answers. So we're going to talk about, since we're in this idea of seasons, seasons of the longest running shows, TV shows. So what is, and you can shout this out or you can type online, what is the longest running scripted American primetime TV series? What do you think, MASH? Actually, it is The Simpsons. Simpsons, 30, get this, 32 seasons followed by Law and Order SVU. That was a total surprise to me. And then third place goes to Gunsmoke. Any Gunsmoke fans? Okay, okay, so next question. What is the longest news show, the longest running news show? 60 Minutes we got. Meet, Meet the Press. Meet the Press. Do you believe it? Like 70 seasons, 70 plus years, Meet the Press has been on, followed by the CBS Evening News. Um, then the longest running reality TV show. What do you think that is? This was a surprise to me as well. Cops. 32 years. And before reality TV like was a thing, it was, there was cops, right? And then comes the real world, followed by Survivor. And of course, all this information, by the way, is I've discovered online through Google, so I could be lying. Um, and 
so, so the last, last question. Um, what percentage of new shows on network TV make it to their second season? What, do you, what percentage? Fresh, they call them freshmen, apparently. 20%. Only 20% make it to the second season. After, after a full year. So, so just reflecting on that, you know what that means? It means this. It means that the majority of shows ended before their story did. The majority of shows that have ever aired on television ended before their story did. And maybe you were following one of them, if you've ever watched a show, and you're like, all of a sudden it was cut off, and you're like, what happens to Joey? Like, you're, you're, you're kind of lost, right? You have no idea if you make up the ending of the story. Now, now, let me connect this, because this is really, really important. Starting, starting a new season, uh, whether it's school or retirement or moving or even a church, it can be really, really exciting. But then we reach this place called the middle, the middle. And basically, after our first steps, often we have absolutely no idea what lies ahead. We have no idea. And I believe that's the place that I've encountered this thing called the doubt monster. The doubt monster. The doubt monster that sometimes slips into your brain. Sometimes it's just a small little tap on the shoulder to say, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe this was a wrong choice. Maybe you took a wrong direction. Maybe you just need to end this season right now. And so in the middle is where some new seasons end prematurely. And maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're in the middle of something. But, but what if by doing so, what if when we think about that end, ending something prematurely, what if we, by doing so, we're actually cutting short the very things that we need and the very story that God wants to write in our lives? So the idea I want to get to today is this idea, don't stop in the middle. Don't stop in the middle, because the middle can be a very, very scary place. And if anyone knew that, it was the Israelites. So we're in the book of Joshua, and you can follow along today. We're in chapters 3 and 4 in the book of Joshua. And the Israelites, they wandered in the desert longer than the Simpsons were on television. Get that. They wandered for 40 years. They wandered in the desert with Moses, and they're trying to figure out, where's this promised land? Is this actually going to happen? None of them actually made it. That whole generation had passed. And so Moses, of course, we know in the story, he passes, and then he passes his leadership on to Joshua. And that was the beginning in chapter 1. And then we looked at in chapter 2 how Joshua then sent spies, spies ahead of the people into the promised land. And those spies, they're saved by an unlikely woman named Rahab. Well, after that story, the spies go back to the people and back to Joshua, and now they're ready to roll. And so we read in Joshua 3, verse 1, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And I want to show you a map here. This is a kind of a picture of, of what that looks like. So you see, you see that, that they're on this, this one side of the bank. They're on the, the kind of left side or, or towards the west. And so they have to make it across the river. And, and this base camp that they're at in the, the funny named town called Shittim, right, is the base camp that, that Joshua sent the spies at, the spies that he sent to Jericho. But now they encounter the obstacle, because what's in the way? The Jordan River. And I think that brings up the idea that there's always going to be a river to cross. When you're in the middle, 
there's always going to be a river to cross. And I'm not talking about tubing down the Susquehanna or taking the yellow breeches for a nice little kayak trip, right? Uh, your river, it might be a river of maybe new coworkers that you have to get used to. Or it might be a river of expectations that you had how great this new season was going to be, and then it's kind of like somebody burst that bubble. Uh, see, it might be an identity thing. It might be something that, that you have to cross in order to get to the other side. There's always going to be a river in a new season. And that's a confusing and often dreadful thing, just like the, the Jordan River was. And you might not realize this, but this was not like your easy float. This was a raging river, and especially this time of year that they were crossing, it was swelled to the flood stage. It actually was, it was thought to have about a 40-mile-an-hour current. You know, that would sweep you away. You'd be at the end of that very quickly. And, but also, it's described in other places in Scripture that, that the plain, the plain that surrounds the river on the banks, it was filled with tangled brush and briars and really dense growth. And even Jeremiah tells us this. Jeremiah 12.5 mentions the thickets of the Jordan. One other writer, ancient writer, wrote that it was not so much the river as much as the jungle around it that was difficult to cross. See, the river is a place of tangles. It's also a place of testing. And it occurred to me as I was reflecting on this that a river has always been a part of each stage of my own personal ministry in life. So, the, so first, when I started in ministry, we're gonna, I got some pictures here to share with you. Um, this is a river called the Chop Tank River. And this is on the eastern shore of Maryland. That was where I started my environmental science career. And this was also the river on which I was experiencing a call to ministry and kind of struggling with what that looked like in my life. And then that was followed up with another river you might see. Does anybody know where that is? Anybody? This is actually the Potomac. This is Great Falls, Virginia, Maryland. You can kind of stand on either side. It's an amazing place. There's a national park that's there. And so this is the, the Potomac River, and that brought me to seminary and to my first experience serving at, at Herndon United Methodist Church um, at that place. And the, the struggles and the things that came in the middle of that. Then there came another river. I'll put this off. Does anybody know where this is? The Rappahannock River. So this was my favorite kayak spot called City Dock. I would put in there. And so this was the, the church I just recently came from, from Salem Fields Community Church. And, and lots of trials and testing that came along with that. And then that led me to this river. <laughs> Susquehanna. I had to put that up there. Lady Liberty standing proudly. And uh, what was it the bicentennial? I think I was informed that that was, that was erected there. So if you paddle up far enough, you'll see Lady Liberty there. So here at Table Life Church. And, and so each stage of life, each season of life and ministry, it has its unique challenges. It's not going to be easy flowing. But also we recognize that it's also the site of redemption. That's what rivers bring. See, the Hebrew word, abar, is used in this passage. It's used 21 times. 21 times. And a bar means to cross over. It's not just about the river. It's about crossing over the river because rivers are for crossing. They're for leading somewhere. And we see later on in Scripture, if you flip all the way ahead to the New Testament, you find that the Jordan River is the place where John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus. It's a passageway. 
There's always going to be a river to cross when you are in the middle of a new season. Well, the story continues. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Underline that, highlight that, put that in your brain. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. I think this lets us know that we need to let the Lord go first. We need to let the Lord go first when we're in the middle. So, so the question is, looking, just looking at that, that section, that passage, um, so of course there's this Ark of the Covenant and it's being called to, to go before the people. Um, what's with the furniture, right? That's kind of what it looked like. Um, what's with the furniture? It reminds me a little bit of my moving day experience coming here. Um, I don't know, if you've ever moved, if you've had movers, it's like the most excellent experience. You know, friends are great too, but there's always this moment, right, that you just have to cover your eyes as people are moving things. You don't want to know what's going to be dropped or what might not make it to the other side. And uh, when I was leaving my old house, I sat on a couch, uh, one of my couches, with a friend of mine who was visiting while the movers were, were coming, and I just didn't look. I just let them carry things and how they were carrying things and bringing things out. And Becca can attest to this. Um, our administrator, she was here when I was moving into the parsonage. And we just didn't watch. They told them what room to go in, go in here and there. We only had one casualty, which I believe is the light on the top of the, the ceiling there from lifting something. But, um, but I don't know about you, but I don't, you know, some furniture is important. Like I have a, a kitchen table that's from my grandma, but like the rest of the stuff, like, eh, it, it's okay, right? But, but this piece of furniture that, that God had um, was really, really important. It was a big deal because of what was inside of it. It contained the Ten Commandments, which shows us God's desire for a relationship with his people. It also contained a pot of manna. I would have loved to see this, a pot of manna, which was a reminder of God's gracious provision, Jehovah Jireh, right, the God who provides. But then also Aaron's rod, Moses' brother Aaron, which was a dead stick that miraculously grew leaves and almonds and validated the, the power of God to use anything that he willed. See, the ark, the ark was a monument of God's faithfulness to Israel. And the top you'll see, the top you see that there was a gold plate that was called the mercy seat. And there were these two statues that were present there. And it was said that God showed up right there. See, the ark was the Old Testament symbol of Emmanuel, God with us. That, that leading the way kept God out front believing that God is with us, that, that their task was to follow God's lead, not their own, and to pursue his presence. So I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer this out loud, but in your heart, have you ever tried to move ahead of God? Your laughter, right? Have you ever tried to move ahead of God, to make things happen, tell God your plans and tell him to bless them, right? Why do you think it says to let him go first. Well, of course, because he knows, but also going back to verse four, when I told the verse I told you to underline and star in your head, since you have never been this way before. You've never been here. See, the people, the people at the time, they might have said, oh, well, our people, they crossed the Red Sea just like a while back with Moses. It was kind of like that. We've done this before. And there's similarities, but they're not the same. 
I think that God assumed that they would go back on the place that they had been before and try to replicate that with what was ahead. And he's saying, no, 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 trust me in this season. Trust me right now that God wanted to do something different here and now. And reflecting on that, I think that brings to mind kind of this post-pandemic weird place that we're in right now. We're trying to struggle, you know, the 2021 A.D., that we're trying to figure out, like, how do we move forward? What do we do? Do we, do we just replicate the past? But God might be saying, no, 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 follow me. I'm ahead of you. Watch what I am doing. Because we can assume, we can try to assume that we know where we're going, but maybe it's time to let the Lord take the lead. Let the Lord take the lead. And we can do as what Joshua tells the people. He says this in verse 5. Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. How do you know that the Lord is in the lead? Consecrate yourselves. Basically, consecrate means to purify. It was a purification process that priests would enter into before they entered a sanctuary or before they handled sacred objects. It was part of the ritual, but I think it also means deliberately interrupting our good and normal functions in life in order to be on spiritual alert that we interrupt our normal functions in life in order to be on spiritual alert, that we can see ahead. Because if you're saying, okay, well, put God first, you know, follow him, how do you do that? Well, you have to consecrate yourself first. Life gets busy. Life goes, gets out of hand. We get so absorbed in life and going from one thing to the next that if you're really trying to discern the direction where God's ahead, then we have to be on spiritual alert. We have to deliberately interrupt those normal activities. It it might be something as easy as taking a pause in your day, whether it's a a devotional time in the morning, literally 10 minutes. You've never done a devotion before. Like 10 minutes, just get get into a quiet place. You know, if you're a parent, you know, shut yourself in the bathroom for 10 minutes. Lock yourself in there. You know, read, read something. There's plenty, there's a a wonderful app, the YouVersion app that has plenty of devotions that you might even start out on. Or maybe it's even in your car, just taking that time. Maybe it's even something bigger. If you have a big decision, a big way that you're stuck in the middle, maybe it's taking a full day, a full day, a retreat in prayer to ask, where, where are you in this, God? What are you doing up ahead? Help me to see and to hear where you are in the lead. But of course, we can't stay there forever because you can just think about something and even pray about something until Jesus comes again. Because then it's time to move. See, the Lord gives instructions for the priests to go ahead. And verse 17 shares this. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord paused in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. You see what they had to do? They had to get their feet wet. Get your feet wet. See, camping out on the shore is not going to get you across the river. That's how seasons end prematurely. Because we, we never step in the water. That's what the, the priests had to go and make a move and to get their feet wet in the middle of that in order for this passage to happen. And if you've ever had a child who was afraid of the water, or maybe you are or were as a child, you know, you, you kind of know this. Um, you know, if you have a kid that's afraid of water, I remember I was afraid of like putting my head under the water and like getting my getting water in my ears and up my nose and everything. Well, have you ever had a kid that's afraid of the water? What do you not do? 
You don't lecture them about how great it is when they do that. You don't hand them a book. Nobody hands a kid a book to say, read this on swimming, you know, just read chapters one through four, and then we'll kind of step in there. Um, you don't put them in front of a, a TV or a tablet and say, here, watch the Olympics and be inspired to put your head underwater. What do you do? You get in the water. That's how you learn to swim. That's how you learn that this isn't really a scary thing. It's okay to get wet. You need that pool time. And, and though I, I do, though, today, I have some bad news and some good news to share. So um, don't leave early from after I share the bad news. Well, the first, the bad news is most of your personal problems cannot be fixed. Most cannot be fixed. That's the truth. You can fix a car, you can fix the oven, you can fix the dog, and those things might be as good as new. But you're not like a car or a computer. But the good news is that with God's help, you can overcome those things. And God can use those things and bring you through those things. The thing is, it's not so much about finding a solution to those problems, but rather a direction. See, a direction is a, is a means of moving forward. A direction and then taking it, getting your feet wet. See, God's saying in this story, you can pause in the middle, but don't stop there. There's more to the story. And we see that, of course, the story doesn't end there. So you have these priests with the ark. They're standing in the middle of this river. The, you have the people that are processing, moving from one side to the other. The end of the story, no, because the story continues in Joshua 4. And this is going to be a big section of scripture. I'll read it for us. Which tells us, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones, 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone in his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. See, Joshua. Joshua is called by God to pick up these stones, to tell the people to pick up these stones Specifically from where in the river? The middle. The middle. See, the Red Sea crossing back when under Moses, that changed Israel's status from being from slave to free. Crossing the Jordan transformed Israel from being a wandering band of people to a landed people. But they had to cross the middle. And dare I say the middle is a holy place. The middle is a holy place. So often we rush to the other side to get to the destination, even the victory that's, that's for us right there. But the middle is a very holy place. And I think God's saying, don't forget that. Don't forget that. I remember when I was in seminary and serving at uh, my first 
uh, church at that time. And I was learning how to do uh, pastoral visits in hospitals and, and that kind of thing. And I went along the first time with my lead pastor. And then the second time he said, you do this by yourself. And I remember it was a Sunday night and there was a gentleman from our church who was um, uh, not doing well. He um, was gradually going downhill. We thought it was probably just maybe a couple days a week. I remember it was a Sunday night. I visited, walked into that hospital. Have you ever been in a hospital on a Sunday night? I have to say it's, it's a holy place. There's a quietness about it. There's not the rush, rush of the busy during the week. I remember entering into that hospital room and knowing that, that we were nearing the end, but we, we were kind of sitting in this very, very uh, transient place. I remember praying with a gentleman and, and just talking about some things, having a few laughs and stories. And, and in that prayer time, and even in the moments afterwards, I remember reflecting and saying, this was a place that I almost touched the hand of God. That in this place, that I very easily could have said, well, this is just another one of my ministry experiences to go through. I need to check this box. I need to make this guy's day. Well, Instead of taking it that way, pausing in the middle to reflect on that holy place, the place often where God shows his miraculous power, but sometimes it can just be through a handshake or a simple prayer. See, the place that we have the hardest time seeing God at work, the place that we're tempted to cut things short when we have a river to cross, that's in the middle. What I want to share with you today, I want to encourage you, don't stop there. Don't stop there. That once your new season has begun in your life and, and in our life as a church, don't stop in the middle because maybe, maybe that new season, it, it will turn out harder than you thought. Maybe there's an unexpected river. And, and I can assure you guys, I can assure every single one of you that there are going to be multiple Jordan rivers for us to cross as a church in ministry. I can share that as well, that, that there's going to be rivers for us to cross in ministry together because, truthfully, we've never been here before, just like the Israelites. And I can tell you this, too. You may see me running around New Cumberland on the sidewalk, but I do not walk on water. The thing is, I can point you to the one who can. And that's the place that we stand. That's the place that as we participate in our, our worship and as we participate in the table today, I, I want you to think about and pray about um, that, that what's interesting is the very tangible practices and elements of our faith, like baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are the things that we do that resonate with God's commands. To not fear, to be bold, to remember. And they sparkle with promises that I will be with you till the end of this age. And that rings true with a call to freedom rather than slavery, to life rather than death, and to hope rather than despair. And as we approach the table today, if you are in the middle or you know someone who is, uh, I want you to, to be thinking about them. And as we um, share in these elements today and as we share in a time of prayer and reflection with our worship, um, to, to lift that person up. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's someone in your life. Maybe it's, it's you and something that you're facing that's, that's an unexpected Jordan River. Because God knows it. But, but you can ask for that courage. You can ask for that, that faith, that hope to put one foot in front of the other.